Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hawkeye fans, get ready. It's time for the Hawkeye Nation radio show, powered by the Polk County iClub on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 AM and now 106.3 FM, KXNO. And welcome to the HawkeyeNation.com radio show here on 106.3 KXNO and the Hawkeye Nation podcast network. My name is Andrew Downs and I'm joined as I am each and every week by my good friend and our fearless leader at HawkeyeNation.com. It's Joe Schmelka. What's up, Joe? You know, uh, I'm, I'm still celebrating that Big Ten West championship yeah. and, uh, you know, just loving life, Andrew. Just loving life. Fantastic, it's right? It's, uh, you know, we, we didn't yeah. have a show last week due to the Thanksgiving holiday. Hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving. So we, we didn't get to talk a lot about that Illinois game, but uh, obviously Iowa beat Illinois, wrapped up the, uh, the Big Ten West championship on that game, and then uh, came into Black Friday not needing a win, but certainly wanting a win. You didn't want to limp into the Big Ten championship game. You also didn't want Nebraska under Matt Rule to, um, well, to, I mean, to, to get a winning streak against Iowa or to get those 15 extra practices in year one or to really feel good about themselves. And so uh, in, in the, it's, it came down to the final minute, Joe, but it was a, it was a heck of a game and a heck of a win. And, and our Hawkeyes did the impossible man, 10 and two on the season. Uh, <laughs> I think a, ultimately a three game win, a three game lead in the big 10 West. And, you know, despite feeling one of the worst offenses in modern college football history, and uh, suffering injuries to you know four of our most important players throughout the season, all of the adversity that was thrown at this team throughout the season, they overcame all of it, and uh, and here we are, ten and two, heading into the Big Ten championship game. Yeah, I mean, if you told any of us, Andrew, I remember the first show we talked about how important it was to keep McNamara healthy, and he started the season he wasn't healthy, right? And how important it was going to be keep him healthy, and his team's got a shot, you know, and. Well, he gets the third or fourth game, and, and boom, he goes out. And it's like, oh, my, who is Deacon Hill? And, you know, say what you want about Deacon. Uh, he doesn't have uh, flashy stats or anything like that. He's pretty inaccurate at times. But uh, I think he is a starter. He's, what, 7-1, and one, maybe 8-1, and one, at least 7-1. and one. played a lot. He played a lot in that uh, in in these first games, so he kind of almost got to give him the win there. I mean, he came in in the first quarter, and uh, you know, he, he just kind of uh, it, it, that's what this whole team has been, right? I mean, they just get something bad thrown at them, and they get knocked down, they get back up, and they find a way to win. Are they winning against uh, you know top ten teams? No, but but they're winning, and and you got to be happy about it. And like I said. If you told any of us, hey, McNamara's going to get hurt in the third, fourth game of the year, and the Hawkeyes are going to win 10 games, would we have taken that? Uh, uh, absolutely, we would have. Still will. I mean, it's, it's awesome, I think. So it's, uh, it's, it's been a crazy season. Uh, one of my good friends, Kevin Stackauer, he said, you know, you just have to embrace the absurdity 
of it all. And I, and I really think that's what it is. Embrace it. Be happy about it. Quit moaning about the offense. It is what it is. Let's just try and win a game and, and have fun with it. It's been so cool to kind of hear the guys talk this week uh, in, in you know some of their press availability about just how comfortable they are in these close games. And, and I saw um, – uh, Cade McNamara did a podcast and he said he, he kind of said the same thing like when when the game's on the line and, and you need a big play or you need a big stop or whatever that is and and the other team's nervous and everybody else is kind of worried and there's anxiety all throughout the you know there's tension throughout the stadium uh, because these games come down to one or two plays when when you're uh, playing with this small of a margin of error this Hawkeye team this is where they feel comfortable this is where they're ready to go I mean even when uh, Deacon Hill throws that interception with with just over 30 seconds left in the fourth quarter in a tied game at Nebraska on Friday afternoon, that defense came out knowing, hey, we just have to make a play here. We just have to do something. And they did. Ethan Herkett with the interception. And then the offense comes out and says, hey, we just need to make a play. And LeSean Williams goes for 22 yards and puts us in a field goal position. And then you run a kicker out there who nobody had ever heard of, who hasn't kicked in, a, in over a year, has, has never taken the field as an Iowa Hawkeye. And he goes out there and even though, even though there's a bad snap and, and kind of a, a messed up you know whole situation and all the pressure in the world on him he just nails a, a 38 yard field goal to, to walk off with the win I mean this team just finds ways to do it and it's it's just at some point as you said you have to embrace the absurdity of it you have to enjoy and appreciate what this team is forget about what it isn't it's never going to be that thing uh but but what it is is a a strong team a resilient team and a team that i would not want to be even if i'm number 2 michigan and undefeated i would not want to be in a one possession game with this iowa hawkeye team i mean i i, I agree with you 100% and um it it's just been a team that they find ways to win and in a weird way, it's been a lot of fun. We just talked about it before we came on the air. I said, you know what? Maybe, maybe don't watch the first 55 minutes of the game. Just watch the last five minutes. And, and yeah, the first 55, not always so entertaining, right? And then you get down to the last five minutes, we find a way to win the game. It's very exciting. And, uh, and, and, and sometimes it's more of a relief. You know, you're like, oh, my gosh, how did we win that game? You know, whatever. <laughs> but, but we did. And, and that's the whole key to it. Uh, the Bears beat the Vikings the other night, twelve to ten. Right? They're professionals for crying out loud, and they were dropping balls, and making mistakes, and fumbling and stumbling. And a lot of teams are doing that. And I, I don't know how many teams have got ten wins this year. There's fifteen or so of them, but that's not a lot. And uh, you know, be happy about it, celebrate it. Uh, it exceeded expectations for me. Uh, I think the experts, right, what were we supposed to win? Eight, eight and a half games this year, and we won 10 in the regular season. Got a chance to win 12, um, you know. So let's just – let's go play. Uh, have a great time uh, pre-gaming in in, uh, in Indianapolis and, and see what happens during the game. And, you know, have a great time afterward and, and celebrate – a very unique season. Yes. I, I don't know how else to describe it. I mean, I don't ever want to go through another one probably like it. <laughs> uh, but but it's been very, very unique. And, and, and for me, it just teaches you to appreciate, you know, uh, the things in life. You know, getting knocked down, resiliency, all that stuff. And yet still finding a way to win. 
So this team is, has, as we said, they've they've come through a lot, and some of it self inflicted for sure, but a lot of it not. And and they, you know, on off the field, whatever it is, they've been able to kind of soldier through that. And you've seen the the way this team is has been held together and has stayed together. And what a credit to Kirk Ferentz and the entire coaching staff. What a credit to Brian Ferentz who. Uh, you know, certainly has struggled as offensive coordinator, but it is a a guy who has spent most of his adult life as an Iowa Hawkeye and has given a lot to this program. And uh, and a lot of people could have, uh, you know, could have been more resentful than than he has been. And uh, sure, he's not wearing a Tiger Hawk on the sideline, but he is helping this offense. Uh, incrementally improved, but improved nonetheless. We've seen Deacon Hill make improvements, make steps, uh, had, had a rough second half against uh, Nebraska, but part of that was was injury-related as well with Jennings Dunker going out and Caleb Brown going out. Uh, but the the improvement in this offense, we've seen uh, game in and game out. And, uh, and and this coaching staff just able to keep this team together and focused on the same goal. And you see it each and every week and, and never more than after that, that win at Nebraska, the emotion, not just with Kirk Ferentz, uh, which we've seen a lot of that, but but with this entire team and, and kind of the, the way they feel it's us against the world, the way they feel uh, something special going on inside that locker room and within that program. And and that's that's been just so much fun to watch. And it just makes you feel so good to be a Hawkeye. I mean, watching Kirk Ferentz, Parents uh, represent this team and this program and the university and all of us as 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 fans uh, has has been fantastic. He he fell short this week of winning Big Ten Coach of the Year. Uh, you know, a snub is probably too big of a word for that, Joe. Uh, I thought Kirk was certainly deserving. I think he would have gotten my vote. Uh, David Braun is deserving too. What he did at, at Northwestern was so unexpected, and uh, that's maybe an easier story to tell than Iowa's story. There's there's a lot more nuance to Iowa's story than there is to Northwestern's this season. Uh, but I thought Kirk was deserving of winning that for a fifth time, uh, even though he fell just short. Um, but he's just he's he's done a remarkable job, as you said. This isn't a season where any of us want to go through again uh, but I think as we look back on on his tenure uh, this will be one that stands out as uh, as a a season where he really showed how important he is to this program yeah and and and, and how we can win and, and and like you said there's more ways than one to win um, if, if you look at a lot of these teams um, even Michigan really they just have better athletes Okay, I mean that, that that's really the situation, and they have more of them. I mean, they've got more depth. Uh, you know, when, if their quarterback were to go down, they're going to try another four-star or five-star kid out there that's probably got some experience. I mean, it, it, it's tough to win in Iowa. It's it's not a big state. Um, there's not a ton of recruiting talent here. We don't have the money. I, well, you know, we spend twenty-five, twenty-seven million a year on football. That's a lot. Andrew, we talked about this before. Michigan spending forty million yep. on football. They're spending fifty percent more than us. I mean, and particularly in the time now of the uh, portal and everything like that. I mean, they got ten guys looking at film of everybody. You know, who's going to be available? Who's out there? Who can we? Who can we contact and try and steal away from? You know, uh, another school, whatever. And and we don't devote those that many resources to football. We're a lot. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we don't. But in comparison to some of these bigger schools, they've almost always been better than us. They're always going to be favored over us. I mean, when's the last time we were favored over Michigan or Ohio State or even Penn State? I mean, they're the big guys, right? And, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're going to get a chance to play them. And let's hope, let's hope we, you know, we play well. Let's hope the ball bounces our way a little bit. 
We don't need, uh, you know, we can't beat ourselves, number one. Number two, we don't need a punt, you know, hitting off of uh, one of our uh, mm-hmm. coverage guys. You know, you, you can't give, uh, uh, I'll call them a superior opponent, I guess. I mean, talent-wise, you, you can't give them breaks. You can't give them anything. We've got to get the break. Mm-hmm. If we get the break, you never know. If we don't get the break, eh, they're probably going to be there. What a fun, what a fun, crazy season. Uh, I know a lot of other teams would sure like to be in the Big Ten uh, championship game in, in Indianapolis. I know they'd like to be there playing. Hey, we're the ones there. That's right. And uh, they knocked off a lot of people, got uh, screwed <laughs> yep. know, in the Minnesota game. Uh, Kirk said that. And uh, this team's 11 and 1. My God, 11 and 1. I mean, crazy. So, anyway, fun season. Weird season, resilient season, you know, celebrate it, be happy, and uh, let's see what happens Saturday night. That's right. You know, you talk about those breaks, Joe, and this is the HawkeyeNation.com radio show, 106.3 KXNO and the Hawkeye Nation podcast network. Check out HawkeyeNation.com for all your Hawkeye news and notes. And you talk about getting those breaks, Joe, and, and it reminds me, you know, that, that Penn State game where Iowa lost 31 to nothing. And so there, there's a part of it that sounds a little ridiculous to go back to that first quarter and remember that Eric All fumble, which was so big. And, and some of those kind of, as you said, the breaks, the, the, the punt going off of Iowa's, you know, the back of a, of a heel and, and Penn State picking that up. And you remember that game was only a 10 nothing game at halftime. And then I go back to the 2021 Big Ten championship game where we played a really good Michigan team, you know, led by uh, led by Cade McNamara and Eric Hall. Um, and if you remember in that game, and again, it sounds a little ridiculous. It feels a little ridiculous to try to parse out the early parts of that game when the ultimate result was 42 to three Michigan. It was an absolute blowout. But Iowa had a, a trick play in that game that should have gone for an early touchdown, should have given them a 7-0 lead. Uh, they weren't able to connect on that. Then they miss a field goal. And all of a sudden, you know, and, and a field goal that they, they almost never miss. And then Michigan breaks off a 70-yard run. And all of a sudden, it's 7 nothing. but it feels like you're in a bigger hole than that. And you just, it, it unravels from there. And it feels like had Iowa hit on a couple of those things in either of those games, maybe it plays out a little differently. And I'm not saying that Iowa would have beat Michigan in that game, but it certainly wouldn't have been the blowout that it was. And so going into this game, you're exactly right. You need to play a perfect game on your own, and then you need to have some of those breaks go your way. You can't have the kicking situation that you had against Nebraska this week. And by all accounts, Drew Stevens will be the kicker going into this game. But we've seen Kirk Ferentz will have a short leash with him. Um, you have to you have to take advantage of every opportunity you can. You may need a trick player too. You may need a pick six or two or something like that. Uh, but this is not an impossible game to win. Certainly, nobody expects Iowa to win, and and I'll be shocked if they ultimately do. But I won't be shocked if they find a way to keep this close. This defense is legitimately great. They are an elite defense. They are going to give Michigan uh, some trouble, and we've seen this offense kind of have areas in which they grow. I like this running game. I like Caleb Brown and, and what he provides in this passing game. I like what I've seen out of uh, Addison Estranga and, and Stilianos at the tight end position. And so there's no reason to think that if Iowa plays a perfect game and gets a couple of breaks, that they can't be in this thing in the second half. And and really, that's that's all we're that's all we're asking for, right? Is is to be competitive in this game, give Michigan a little bit of a scare, and and then you know who knows what happens at the end. Yeah, I mean that, that, that's the strategy. Obviously, that's what we do every game. It, it's uh, you know keep the game close. Ideally, we we love to play with a lead, 
and then uh, trying to control the clock a little bit. Tory Taylor is a weapon. He will change field position. You know, he's going to have a good game. Uh, Drew Stevens has got to come back. He's like a putter. He's like a golfer with the yips, right? I think that's what's going on. I, I don't think there's anything physically wrong with him. I think it's a mental thing. And uh, it just seems like he's leaning. He's almost off balance when he kicks or something. I mean, he kicked two, not, not to just miss the two field goals, but he kicked two kickoffs, you know, out yeah, of bounds. Yeah. I mean, he not done that all year. Weird. So, you know, we got to get him back. <laughs> we're, we're, we're deficient of offensive weapons uh, all across the board right now. Okay. I, I, I am very glad to hear that uh, it, it, it sounds like Caleb Brown is mm-hmm. okay. Um, he's legitimate. You know, he's got the speed and moves and things like that to, to play it, uh, to play against their, uh, their quarterback. And uh, like I said, we got good running backs. All right. Our offensive line, it sounds like Jones practiced. So let's hope he can go at center. That's, uh, that helps us some. Dunker was back practicing yesterday. That's big. Um, you know, got to have our offensive line in there because their defense is, is, is very, very good. So, you know, it's, it's, we got to make it an ugly game. If we can turn it into an ugly game, uh, they're not going to play as well as they did last week, right? That was their game of the year, okay? Um, huge game for them. And they, they, they got to celebrate it. And they think that they're going to walk in here and mm-hmm. kick our butt. And they might, but that's to our advantage, right? Have them be a little overconfident. Have them fumble the ball. Have them, uh, you know, get, get some penalties. Anything. You know, we need all the help we can get. And if we, uh, if, if, if we can play a relatively error-free game, you know, we'll, we'll keep it fairly close. If we can't, you know, if Hill fumbles back there, throws some interceptions, you know, we do some of the things that, that we do when we lose games, you know, we'll, we'll lose to these guys too. But, uh, I don't know, like, like I said, it's it's fun team, uh, you know. You, you you've seen some improvement. They kind of take a couple steps forward, maybe a half step back. You know, Deacon's not accurate. Then all of a sudden, he's pretty accurate. Then he's not very accurate. <laughs> he's, he's inconsistent. Gee, you know, he's a quarterback that hasn't played that much, and he's you know he's he's just really starting to get some experience now. So hopefully, he'll have the best game of his life. Hopefully, we'll get a couple of fumble recoveries. Hopefully, they'll have a few penalties. And uh, you know, hopefully we'll we'll keep things close to the fourth quarter, and maybe get a big break. You know, you and, know? and the the mental part of this game, I think certainly there, there's a chance that Iowa has an advantage there. You just mentioned Michigan coming off the biggest game of their season, the win against Ohio State, and then heading into what they think is the next biggest game of the season, right? The now biggest game of the season in the college football playoff quarterfinals. And um, and so, you know, you can see a way. You know, they're saying all the right things, of course, this week. Michigan, both players and coaches, are saying how much respect they have for Iowa and all of that. But you know they're they're overlooking Iowa to some degree. And, and of course, you would be if you're a you know, 23 point favorite in a conference championship game and undefeated and, and looking ahead to, to the college football playoff and a potential national championship. And so, uh, you, you, you think they could be overlooking Iowa. And if you, they get punched in the face a little bit, that's something that really hasn't happened to this team yet this season. Uh, their last three games have been closer than their first nine were, but you never really felt like, I mean, I watched all of that Penn state Michigan game and never really felt like Michigan was going to lose that game, even though it was close at some point. 
Uh, Maryland only lost by a touchdown or so to Michigan. But again, that game never really felt like it was in jeopardy for the Wolverines. Uh, last week certainly was a back-and-forth game. But again, it kind of felt like Michigan had that in hand late. So Michigan really hasn't had to uh, go out and win a game in the fourth quarter yet this season. Uh, and so if, if you're able to get them in that position... Maybe they do get uncomfortable. Maybe that the weight of that college football playoff and the undefeated season and all of the, you know, swirly. You know, we talk about everything happening off the field for Iowa this season. I talked with Aaron McMahon, who covers Michigan for the Opposition Research podcast here on HawkeyeNation.com uh, earlier this week, and you know, he was talking about just how wild it's been within that program this season. I mean, Jim Harbaugh's been suspended for half of the games they've played. They've had this sign-stealing scandal. Uh, you could see where where this team could kind of start to fall apart if, if, again, if they get punched in the face, if they're in a game in the fourth quarter that they didn't expect to be in. All of the pressure is on them at this point. Iowa can go in just playing loose. Uh, this is all icing on the cake at this point for the Hawkeyes. And, uh, and so... If Iowa has a chance, it's it's probably in the in that mental game, and uh, and and I think I think there is an edge to be had there. Yeah, and 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 I just bring up a great point. Um, uh, you know, uh, Lou Holtz said that that Ohio State really wasn't that physical; they really weren't that tough, right? And I don't know; they they, they seem pretty tough to me. <laughs> They're obviously very very talented, but yes. But I don't think, you know, Michigan, Michigan played a very easy non-conference schedule, okay? Um, and, you know, a, a couple people may laugh about it, but look at, this, look at who they played this year. They didn't play that much different schedule than we played, uh, except for Penn State and Ohio State. And that's a big exception, okay? They beat Penn State. We didn't. But I don't think they've seen a defense like us, okay? Penn State did have a very, very good defense, I believe. Um, uh, I, I would say they got a better defense than Ohio State has. But, yeah, we're going to slug them in the mouth. And sometimes that elite athlete doesn't like to be slugged in the mouth. Um, I, 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 I think Harbaugh realized that three or four years ago. And I, and I think he's, you know, tried to get his team to be more physical. Mm-hmm. Um, but they got to make mistakes. Okay, let's not kid ourselves. Yeah. We got to take advantage of those mistakes. And if you let a lesser opponent hang around, I don't care whether you're a boxer, a football player, baseball team, whatever, you let them hang around and you never know what's going to happen, like you said, in the fourth quarter. And that's what we got to do. They got to make some errors. We got to take advantage of it. And, uh, you know, we got we to gotta hang around and throw a haymaker at the end and do a little rocky scene and see what happens, right? So. That's where we are. And exactly, we don't have anything to lose. Nobody expected us to be here. Mm-hmm. Nobody thinks we're good enough to be here. This game doesn't matter. They're going to kill us. Okay, that's exactly where Kirk Ferentz wants us to be, right? Always wants to build that chip on our shoulder, uh, play that underdog role, and, hey, here we are. It's all set. Now let's see if uh, the kids can come out and execute, not make the errors. And uh, you know, find a way to find a way to keep this game close, and and maybe do something crazy in the fourth quarter. I I would feel a lot better if we had Cooper DeGene. Yes, I got to be honest. With you. I mean, he and Harris, I think, athletically can match up with their wide receivers, and just you know, just just give us that level of speed and athleticism on defense that we really need against a team like this. First, and then second. You know, he can make a play on special teams, either 
either as the gunner going down, you know, on punt coverage, uh, you know, pinning them at the half yard line, whatever it is, or, you know, returning a punt. So I, I hated lose him. He's, mm-hmm. he's a legitimate playmaker in, in, in more roles than one. I mean, you know, very seldom can a defensive player, you know, impact the game the way that he impacts the game. And, you know, he could pick six it. Uh, he could uh, do something on the punt coverage team, uh, be right down there. And then he could also, you know, take one of the house as a punt returner. So that's a big, big loss. And it is what it is. You know, next man in. Let's go shock the world. Uh, He's Joe Schmelka. I'm Andrew Downs. This is the HawkeyeNation.com radio show here, 106.3 KXNO and the Hawkeye Nation podcast network. Some uh, hardware headed Cooper DeGene's way as Big Ten awards were given out this week. We'll talk about that and more as we continue here on the HawkeyeNation.com radio show, 106.3 KXNO. Back in black on the HawkeyeNation.com radio show. Andrew Downs here with you as we move along. Joe Schmelke will join me again in the third segment to talk some Big Ten awards and all of that. But for now, let's get an inside look at number two Michigan and this matchup in the Big Ten championship game. I'm joined now by Aaron McMahon, who covers Michigan for the Ann Arbor News, MLive.com, and is the host of the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. Aaron, thank you so much for the time. Yeah, no problem. Good to be with you. So let's address the elephant in the room first thing. Almost nobody is giving Iowa a real chance to win this game, including most of the people here in the state of Iowa. Uh, Michigan players and coaches are all saying the right things this week, as you'd expect. But does this feel like a foregone conclusion within the Michigan program and certainly within the Michigan fan base? Yeah, I think if you're asking the fans, yes. Um, I, I think folks are expecting Michigan to kind of run away with this game on Saturday, probably similar to how things went in 2021. Um, it, and players is hard to gauge just because, you know, it, it's kind of been the same messaging every week all season long, maybe aside from Michigan State and Ohio State week. So, um, I, you know, I, I got to think that the, the Michigan program isn't overlooking this game. I think they realize that they need to win this game just obviously not, you know, to, to help with the record and, and to, you know, guarantee themselves a spot in the playoffs. Um, but I, I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be surprised if you see some, you know, Michigan let off the gas here in the second half, especially if they get out to a big lead. They may elect not to play some guys that are banged up. Um, but I, I think we'll get a better idea of how, you know, how they're going to take it Saturday night. At, at the start of this season, this was the dream matchup for a lot of people because we assumed that Cade McNamara and Eric All would be major factors in this game playing against their old team. Obviously, both have been out with injuries for quite a while now. How, how disappointing is it to you guys that we don't get to see that storyline play out this week? Yeah, highly disappointing. You know, I can remember at, right after Eric and, and Cade went over there, I said to my, some, my fellow media brethren, you know, that would have been the cool storyline. Going in, you know, okay, going up at his old team, trying to get retribution and, and everything else. And I think everyone was hoping for that. Even some of the Michigan players on the roster now. I mean, I've, I've asked several of them this week about it, and they, they were hoping to go up against Kane and Eric. Um, in fact, one of Michigan's offensive linemen, uh, Carson Barnhart, uh, he was in a wedding with Kane over the summer for a, a former Michigan teammate, and I guess they were talking about it then. So I, I think a lot of folks were hoping for it. Uh, some of the coaches were too. Um, this because, you know, Kane, you know, certainly. Uh, came up the ranks here at Michigan. He, he ended up, you know, obviously turning into a star quarterback. And I truly think a, a lot of folks wanted to see him get his opportunity too. Unique is an overused word, but it fits Michigan's season with Jim Harbaugh being suspended a total of six games this year. The the whole sign ceiling scandal, all of that. How how strange has it been to cover this team this season? 
Yeah, it's been the wildest uh, year of my career. I mean, you can even go back to the offseason back in January when they had the offensive coordinator fired and uh, he was under police investigation. And, and then Jim, obviously, with his annual uh, dalliance with the NFL. So it's it's been a wild, you know, certainly last couple of months and, you know, really the last 10 or 11 months if you want to go that far. So um, I, I've been covering this team since 2017. I can't think of a wilder last year. I can't think of a wilder last eight weeks. Um, and, and it's not like this, this program has been immune to this stuff in the past. So it's, it's been pretty crazy. Uh, it's been one roller coaster after another. Uh, and, and surprisingly, I guess, maybe at least from my perspective, this team is still won. I mean, it's 12 and 0. They haven't lost. I, I figured at some point the bottom would fall out. I figured the weight, the pressure would, would get to the players. Uh, cause, you know, there were a couple of weeks ago where some of the players were admittedly like they were kind of bothered by everything. They couldn't get on social media. They couldn't flip on TV, they couldn't flip on the radio without hearing about this stuff because it was everywhere. Um, fortunately for them, at least, it's it died down here in the last you know week or so, uh, and, and, they, and they continue to win. Let's look at this game uh, specifically. Iowa's game plan is going to be simple, man. Keep this thing close for as long as possible. Uh, Michigan really didn't have many close games until the final weeks of the season. Uh, so if, and, and it's a big if, but if Iowa is able to dictate tempo to some degree in this game, how prepared is Michigan to play a field position, defense first, you know, one score, one possession type game? Yeah, I think they could do it. I mean, maybe to their detriment, they haven't really had to do it much this year. Um, you know, you maybe go back to the Penn State game a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you know, it was, it was kind of a one-two score game most of the way. But even that game, you never got the sense that Michigan was going to lose. Um, uh, you know, a week later against Maryland, they only win by possession. But again, it was a situation where you never really felt like Michigan was going to lose. So um, I, I'd be curious to see how they would respond. Um, I will say they, they certainly probably haven't gone up against the defense this, uh, you know, this good, I think, all season long. So I think they're in, in for a test that way. Um, but you, you kind of nailed it with, with Iowa. You know, they, they want to keep the game as close as possible. I, I think if they're in it or have a shot to win it, they're going to have to force some turnovers. Um, you know, J.J. McCarthy, Michigan's quarterback, is, has been prone to throwing interce- interceptions at times. And oftentimes when he does, they come in functions. You know, go back to the playoff game last year against TCU. He throws three interceptions, two pick sixes. And then again, earlier this season against Bowling Green, he throws three interceptions. So I, I think Iowa's going to need some turnovers. I think they're going to need, you know, pick six or two would probably help. Uh, and then, yeah, obviously controlling time of possession and, and field position to go a long way as well. You know, we, we know the big names. You just mentioned J.J. McCarthy, the Big Ten quarterback of the year. Blake Corum, now a two-time Big Ten running back of the year. Who who else should Iowa fans be focused on when Michigan has the ball? Uh, they got a couple. Yeah, you mentioned the two big ones. At tight end, uh, Colston Loveland uh, is a name I think Iowa fans are you know, relatively familiar with. Uh, you know, he, He's played the last couple of years. He came out last year as a as a true freshman, and he's really kind of, um, you know, uh, become I, one of the you know the top tight ends in the Big Ten. He he can block, he can run, he can go up and get football the football. He can get the fifty fifty catches. Um, you know, this week Jim Harbaugh likened him to uh, Travis Kelsey, which I think is a, is a big honor. Obviously, he's probably a little mature, premature, but uh, Coastal Loveland is that type of player. Uh, he's a he's a great tight end, so I would look for him to get targeted. Donovan Edwards is another interesting name. Uh, Michigan's number two running back, who they've kind of used uh, in the slot in the passing game a little bit more this year. They like to use. Uh, and then out of receiver, Roman Wilson's the number one threat out there. Uh, he's a speedy guy who isn't afraid to, to, to you know, to break off a big play. Uh, and another receiver, pay attention to Cornelius Johnson. He, he's, he's hot and cold. 
Um, but he, said, he tends to show up in big games, and this is a perfect scenario for him. No major awards for the defense, but a slew of players on the all-conference teams announced yesterday. What, what players or position groups have been the strongest for Michigan defensively this season? Yeah, it's really difficult to answer that question because, as you said, it, it's, there's really no superstars on this group. This isn't like a team a couple of years ago where you know they had Aiden Hutchinson and David Giotto, a couple of first-round NFL picks. They don't really have that this year. Um, but there are some guys at every level I think you got to pay attention to. Uh, Michigan's interior pass rush has really improved this year compared to a couple of years back. Uh, Mason Graham, Kenneth Grant, Chris Jacobs inside. Uh, they all can obviously get, get off blocks, but pressure the quarterback, and that's really had a difference. You know, and Michigan's defense this year on the edge. Michigan really has kind of rotated four different guys this year. Um, and you can even go check the numbers. They're almost getting the same amount of snaps per game. So they're, they're in a way kind of trying to keep those guys healthy uh, and, and active and allowing them to get to the quarterback. So names like Jalen Harrell, Braden McGregor, um, uh, Derek Moore, guys who've gotten the quarterback and forced turnovers. Uh, the middle level, uh, Junior Colson's an All-American caliber linebacker, who's done very good. Uh, Michael Barrettson, a sixth year at Michigan, very experienced guy. He's, he's got to come on the last year or so. And then the secondary is, I, I think, the most intriguing group. Um, you've got a really uh, a group of talented and, 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 and kind of young, inexperienced guys back there. Uh, Will Johnson leads the way. Uh, sophomore defensive back from Detroit, uh, first-team All-Big Ten player this year. His status is in question right now. He, he banged up his, his leg last week against Ohio State. I, I don't know how much he's going to play on Saturday. Uh, but nonetheless, I mean, Michigan still got playmakers back there. Rod Moore, he had the, the game-sealing interception against Ohio State on Saturday. Uh, and then Mikey Sanders still, nickel quarter. Um, he, he's kind of come on this year. He's a former receiver. They moved over to, to defensive back uh, last year. He's really taken on the position uh, really well. Iowa's kicking game struggled uh, last Friday against Nebraska despite getting that win and uh, a missed field goal early in that 2021 title game. Felt big in the moment. Ultimately didn't, you know, weigh into the outcome much, but did feel big in the moment for Iowa. But despite that, Iowa almost always has an edge on special teams in just about any game they go into. How does Michigan stack up in in that third phase? Yeah, it's probably a similar situation. Michigan special teams aren't nearly as good as they were last year. They had a couple superstars at, at kicker and punter, guys who ended up getting drafted in the NFL and are, are you know, doing well until they lost themselves. But they like who they've got this year. Uh, James Turner is a transfer from Louisville. Um, they haven't had to lean on quite a bit. You know, the book on him coming into the year was that you know, he was reliable within 40 and he was questionable beyond that. But really the last couple of weeks, we've seen his leg kind of showcase. He had a 50-yarder last, year, last week against Ohio State, three for three. In fact, he was Big Ten Special Teams Player of the Week this past week. So they're really feeling good about him. And then Tommy Goldman, uh, I think he's near the top of the Big Ten in hang time and punting. Uh, so he's kind of come on. But again, there's a situation where a guy they haven't had to use a ton this year just because the offense has been so so productive and, and able to score. Ah, how, how nice that must be to not have to rely on your punter and your, your field goal kicker to, to get your points. Um, this has been a, this was a really competitive series for a really long time, but you know now Michigan's won three in a row, including that absolute drubbing in the 21 Big Ten Championship game. How, how does Michigan, both the program and the fan base, view Iowa? Well, I think they respect it. You know, I think they look at they look at Iowa to kind of see a lot of the same tenets of Michigan. You know, that strong physical style of play, maybe a little bit of a dash of old school style. You know, of offensive schemes. Um, I, I can tell you, Jim Harbaugh has a lot of respect for Kirk Ferentz and the staff there. Um, you know, every opportunity Jim gets, he, he says he says great things about Kirk. Obviously, they, their, their history goes way back, and even to the times times in the NFL. So, I, I think there's a lot of mutual respect there. Uh, I, I think folks look at Iowa and the West side of, of the Big Ten and 
you know, I, I think they see some mediocre football, but you, at the same time, you've got an Iowa program that seemed to kind of, um, you know, uh, move past that. You know, while the offense may not be great, the defense is it's fantastic. They win kind of in an old school mentality. And I, I think for, for a program here in Ann Arbor, it's been built on, on the tenets of Bo Shem Blackler and some of the old school style of play that Jim Harbaugh likes to preach. Uh, it's, it, it's, it's well respected. He is Aaron McCann. You can check out his work in the Ann Arbor News, MLive.com. Listen to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast and follow him on Twitter at Aaron McMahon. Uh, Aaron, thank you as always for the time, man. Enjoy Indianapolis and the game. Hopefully we can uh, make it an entertaining one for everybody. Yep, thanks for having me. All right, thank you again to Aaron McMahon. When we come back, Joe Schmelke will rejoin me. We'll talk about some Big Ten awards coming to Iowa City, and we'll continue to preview the Big Ten Championship game Saturday night. This is the HawkeyeNation.com radio show here on 106.3 KXNO. Back in black on the HawkeyeNation.com radio show, Andrew Downs and Joe Schmelke. If you missed any of our first uh, segment, check it out, HawkeyeNation.com, or wherever you get your podcasts, just search for Hawkeye Nation. Cooper DeGene, the Big Ten Defensive Back of the Year, Joe. He's also the Return Specialist of the Year, uh, which is wild considering he only played 10 games. He's a, um, a finalist for the Thorpe Award, which I don't think he'll win because he didn't play every, every game. Uh, I think he would have won had he played all 12, but uh, it's it's such an incredible accomplishment for Cooper and and so well-deserved. This is a guy who's probably going to the NFL, probably going to be a first-round pick next year, uh, and as you said at the end of the last segment, would be a huge boost for Iowa in this Big Ten championship game, but um, so cool of him to get this award and just adds to Iowa's ridiculous run in this award. Six Defensive backs have won this award since 2012. He joins Micah Hyde, Desmond King, Josh Jackson, Imani Hooker, and Riley Moss. Essentially, we're winning it every other season. All of that under Phil Parker, uh, who should win the Broyles Award for Best Assistant Coach in the Nation, although I worry about Michigan Offensive Coordinator Sharon Moore there uh, because he had to fill in so much for Jim Harbaugh. But uh, that's neither here nor there, Joe. Cooper DeGene, well-deserving of these awards. Uh, you know, Likely could have been the, the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year had he played in every game. Um, just Really, really cool to see, despite him having that disappointing end of the season where he got injured, uh, really cool to see him win these awards and, and for Iowa to just uh, maintain its stranglehold on that defensive back of the year award in the Big Ten. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's you know, I, I, I remember, I don't know how long ago, it was 15 years ago when I was doing a radio show with Zobble, and we criticized our defensive back, right? Because they yeah. wouldn't turn around look at the ball they didn't intercept it i, I made a comment on a, on, a, on a radio show a live radio show on that and i said i don't know we must have faulty equipment i think there's something that <laughs> is tied to the back of our helmets that is tied to the back of our jerseys or shoulder pads or something because our, our guys cannot turn around and and see the ball they they, they don't turn around and look for the ball and bat it away and man oh man whatever norm parker has done in the last 10 years phenomenal uh, the season that Higgins is having this year, yes. absolutely, this world. I mean, who saw that coming, right? He is, he is amazing. Um, and 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 Tory Taylor, you know, we knew he was he was going to be outstanding, but um, you know, once again, you just some of this stuff we we almost don't appreciate anymore because we've just gotten used to it, and and yet it's just phenomenal uh, performance by these guys. So. Um, yeah, it's it, it's great, and 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 Phil Parker, you know, I don't know how he does it, but he does, and he takes a kid that nobody wants, and you know, recruits him, 
and see something in them and turns them over to the weight room and the conditioning group and they get them into a position and they play lights out. They go play on Sundays or they win awards or, you know, whatever. They, they, they play at an elite, you know, Big Ten level. And that, that's just that's just fantastic coaching. I don't know what else you would describe that as, right? Yeah, you, you talk about, I mean, there's such a development of program. I saw Pat Vint from Go Iowa Austin uh, tweet this out. Uh, so of those those six guys who have won that award, uh, Micah Hyde was a two-star quarterback when he came to Iowa. Uh, King was a three-star. He was going to Ball State, came to Iowa. Josh Jackson, a two-star. Iowa was his only Power 5 offer. Amani Hooker, a three-star safety. His only other offers were New Mexico and Northern Iowa. Riley Moss, a two-star preferred walk-on. Um, and then Cooper DeGene, a three-star, had no other FBS offers. And Phil Parker made all of those guys not just great players, but the best defensive back in the Big Ten Conference. It, it really is wild. I thought Jay Higgins should be the Big Ten linebacker of the year. He led the conference in tackles. And the way he filled that hole left by Jack Campbell, who was maybe the best to ever do it, uh, was just incredible. He is first-team All-Big Ten. I think he will be first-team All-American. He certainly should be. And you mentioned Torrey Taylor, Big Ten punter of the year, now a two-time winner of that. He won it back in 2020. And he's a Ray Guy finalist. He'll almost certainly win uh, best punter in the country this year. It's just it's so cool to see Iowa continuing to develop these players, uh, get these guys who nobody else wanted, uh, change positions and and turn them into great great big Big Ten players. Uh, that's been a lot of fun. And then I mentioned in the last segment, uh, you know, I thought Kirk Ferentz should have been Big Ten Coach of the Year. David Braun certainly worthy of that, but uh, but I thought Ferentz did a little bit more. And also we beat Northwestern on the field, so I thought I thought that may have given him the edge, but but just didn't this time. Yeah, the, you know, and, and, and Kirk had to deal with something that was out of his hands. I mean, that that silly, you know, firing of Brian Ferentz during the season. I, I really wish we'd have just uh, – I wish Beth and Citadel and that would have just stepped up early in the season and said, hey, I'm I'm just removing that contract stipulation. We've taken that out of his contract. We're going to play the season out. We'll see where we are and, and ended it. And that would have been so much better than the fiasco that happened. Um, I don't know. I think there's a lot of egos, you know, over in Iowa City and different people and something happened. But I don't think that was I, – I really don't think that was our athletic director acting on her own uh, to do that. And I think to put Kirk through that, I don't know, Andrew, in a weird way, it probably helped. It allowed him to once again circle the wagons, if you will. It's us against them. It's, uh, you know, get the chip on your shoulder. You're not good enough. Uh, you know, you're not a purebred, you're a mongrel and uh, all that kind of stuff that, that, you know, he, he does at times. And I don't know, maybe, maybe that's, you know, what helped pull us all together in a weird way too. But Kirk had to deal with so much this year, losing your number one quarterback. I mean, come on, Michigan's not where they are. If they lose their number one quarterback, nor is Ohio state, nor is Georgia, none of them are. And, and he kept his team together and, uh, you know, played it out. Now, with all that said, yeah, the guy at Northwestern, I couldn't believe it. I looked up and I saw that Northwestern had won seven games. Incredible. I mean, I just went, how did that? Because, I mean, that guy, that whole team got pulled apart mm-hmm. like August, right? Late yeah. July or yes. August. I mean, it, it, and somebody said, well, why don't they fire the entire coaching staff? It's like, well, how do you have a season if you fire the entire coaching staff and start a fall <laughs> practice? Yeah. So, somehow or another, they pulled a lot of stuff together. They don't have they don't have as much talent as we have, quite frankly. And, uh, you know, they want, they found a way to win seven games. And 
that, that's that's an amazing feat. So uh, credit to both guys. Yeah. You know, I was too been tied for the for the award or something like that because they both had uh, incredible feats. Yeah, there were there were people who thought Northwestern shouldn't even field a team this season because of how late that Pat Fitzgerald firing happened and uh incredible for them to come back and, and win six games. Nevertheless, the Iowa Hawkeyes are the forever champions of the Big Ten West as the divisions go away next year. We'll get to wear that crown until they, you know, decide to have divisions again at some point down the road. Uh so the Iowa Hawkeyes going in to play Michigan. Saturday night, seven o'clock. Uh, I know the the front row will be a, a happening place that night, Joe. That's that's where a lot of people are going to go watch that game. Uh, I'm excited to see it. Uh, you know, we don't need to give predictions. I don't think either of us are going to pick Iowa to win this game. I do think Iowa keeps it close. I do think Iowa, um, you know, puts a little scare into Michigan, or maybe more of a scare than the the nation thinks they're going to. Um, and and so I, I'm excited to watch this game Saturday night. We're obviously going to have it covered from all angles at HawkeyeNation.com. I'll have a, a post game reaction either early morning hours of, of Sunday, and uh, and I'm I'm excited to to just kind of see this team play at least one more game, and then we'll have a bowl coming up uh, in, in a month or so. Yeah, I I agree with you. I mean, only way they're going to win it, I think they got to have two kind of huge like like a pick six and uh, fumble in the end zone, right? And it's something like that where, where we recover the ball in the end zone. We're going to have a couple of, you know, big, big plays, probably by our defense, um, uh, to do something. And, uh, you know, that's what we got to hope for. And our field goal kicker has got to come back. He's, he's got to get his, uh, yips out of the way. And, uh, Stevens has got to, uh, got to be able to kick the ball well, both on kickoffs as well as, as the other. So, yeah, let's have a big a game from game Drew Stevens. That'd be fun to have a big game from him. Have have him have like a walk off uh walk off field goal after the the rough game he had on Friday. Take that. I'll take that right now, Andrew. I'll take that. Right. <laughs> he is Joe Schmelka. I'm Andrew Downs. This has been the HawkeyeNation.com radio show. If you missed any of it, check it out. HawkeyeNation.com, which is where you're going to get the best coverage in the world of the Iowa Hawkeyes. Uh, it's a busy, busy time. Men's basketball really ramps up next week. The Iowa women are ranked fourth in the country. The Iowa wrestling team with a huge win at Hilton Coliseum. A sold-out Hilton Coliseum on Sunday on national TV uh, to beat the, the hated Iowa State Cyclones for like a 20th time in a row. Uh, a fun time to be in part of Hawkeye Nation, and we invite you to HawkeyeNation.com to join us. We'll have a, this game covered and a lot more going on. Joe, thank you as always. I appreciate your time and uh, and have had fun doing the show again. We'll we'll line up a bull show and uh, and go Hawks. All right, buddy. Take care. Go Hawks.